Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, hit the button. Let's go. Uh, I just want to thank you guys so much for inviting me. I also didn't, like, when I think about, like, Canadians, I'm like, they're such docile, nice people. <laughs> you guys are out of your mind. <laughs> uh, in all sincerity, though, um, I'm going to cry again. Uh, that clean time countdown was so beautiful. Welcome. Congratulations. Three days is forever. One day. Welcome. I want to welcome everyone that's new to Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, I want to welcome you. You know, I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome you. I welcome the people that think they have a drug problem. Welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. If you like to date people that you hate, welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. If you like to touch yourself, welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. If you sleep with everyone for no money, welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. If you sleep with everyone for money, welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. If you sleep with other people's boyfriends or girlfriends, welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. If you eat too much or you don't eat at all, welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. If you like to smoke pot or drop molly or take acid or shoot heroin in your eyeball, welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. Whatever you think you're here for, if you stay, it will change. So welcome to Narcotics Anonymous. And now I really just want to talk about what's been on everybody's mind, and that's Howie. Howie, can you stand up for a moment? You made that countdown very special. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen... Howie, I'm so glad that you're clean and your energy is so beautiful, but I also am grateful because I would not want to get high with you. I mean, really. I was like, that is the most terrifying thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but honestly, I've been to a lot of Queen Time Countdowns. I've been to a lot of conventions. I've been to a lot of countries, and that was one of the most uh, impactful that I've seen. So um, thank you, Canada. <laughs> I want to thank the committee, uh, committee for inviting me. Um, I specifically want to thank you, Paul. Paul had to deal with my schedule and my lack of clarity in my life. Um, so thank you so much. I love you. Um, and Steve, thank you so much for kicking this off, and thank you for everything that you do for Narcotics Anonymous. Um, you know, I, uh, like I said, I like to welcome everyone, because when I got to Narcotics I'm just going to tell you how long I've been clean and how old I am, because that's all you're thinking about. <laughs> I know. I know it is. I'm in psychic. Um, yeah. No, I got clean at 17. Uh, I have over 11 and a half years clean. I'm 29 years old. Um, I also want to thank um, I want to thank Amy and Roxanne and Vito for coming to pick me up at the airport. And the thing, you know, I want to say that this trip started off so great. Um, you know, they sent someone with 90 days to pick me up from the airport, and I was like, I love narcotics tonight. <laughs> but Vito, I love you. I really, I love you, and congratulations. 
And I was thinking about it because I remember one time, I, I think I was like five years clean and I went to go speak in Florida and I got arrested for drug possession on the way to the meeting. And I was like, wait, but really it's not mine. Because <laughs> uh, they sent a newcomer to come get me and take me to the meeting. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and the cops were like, why would you ever get in the car with someone you don't know? And I was like, very valid point. <laughs> I'm like, no, officer, I'm in a cult. It's fine. <laughs> I was like, that's a really rational-ass question that I've never thought about. Uh, but you guys have been so welcoming, and it really set this home for this trip, and I've gotten so much out of it, and I really appreciate you guys, so thank you. Uh, you know, like I said, I welcome everyone to Narcotics Anonymous. When I got here, I was 17 years old. Um, you know, I came here because I, I wanted to figure out how to smoke crystal meth like a lady. <laughs> you know, and on the weekends, you know. And uh, unfortunately, that never happened. Uh, they don't teach you that here. Apparently, nobody smokes meth like a lady. Uh, so there, this isn't a wealth of information. Um, you know, but I, I really didn't understand why I was here when I got here. You know, uh, I also come from a long line of not enough. That's not a requirement for NA membership. But, uh, you know, my mom's got 30 years clean. My granny's got 30 years clean. Uh, my aunt died with seven years. Well, don't, we'll wait till the end. <laughs> wait till the end. There's more. Uh, you know, uh, my aunt died with seven years clean due to... Uh, Drugs, complications, my grandfather died 25 years clean due to the disease of addiction. You know, uh, my uncle died um, a few years ago of a heroin overdose. My dad died of a heroin overdose. My sister is currently dying of the disease of addiction. You know, I come from a long line of not enough, and there's two options. Um, there's uh, dying or there's getting clean. So it's really kind of clear cut for us. You know, we don't really have a lot of other options in life. Uh, you know. But uh, I would say that, you know, when I got clean, I didn't believe in, uh, you know, people would talk about like a higher power and a God of their own understanding. And all those things terrified me, right? But uh, I'm going to tell you a little story of how I got to NA uh, because there were second step miracles in my life far before I recognized them, right? So I'm going to tell you a little story about my... So my mom and my dad met in Narcotics Anonymous in um, 1986. And uh, my dad had four years, and my mom had four minutes. <laughs> and it was love. And um, they were just so in love, you know. And when I say love, I mean stalking, right? <laughs> the clarity, like the clarity you get from like not lying to yourself is like the truth is you're stalking that person, okay? You're not in love, you're just stalking them. And that's okay, keep coming back. Uh, you know, uh, but my mom, you know, my mom grew up, like we, uh, like I said, I come from a long line of not enough. I come from small thinking. I come from settling, right? I come from small ideas. And so uh, my parents met at a meeting, and, um, and my mom started stalking my father, and, uh, you know, and so uh, eventually, you know, she would find all his meetings and be like, oh my God, we go to the same meeting. Your meeting. And, uh, and one day, Bobby Mitchell was going to the diner, right? And so Bobby Mitchell's going to the diner. And so my mom goes to the diner 
and um, they're sitting there and everyone else files out and I guess my father says something charming like, where do you live? <laughs> we had a lot of game, you know? A lot of game. And I'm sure my mom said something like, ah! Uh, that's how you remember it, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> however, that's how I did talk when I was new. People would be like, so what's up with you? And I'd be like, ah! And then do like, you know what I mean, like gang signs, acting like I was landing a plane or something. I don't know. I thought I spoke sign language when I got clean. Um, and so, you know, my mom said something and she said, where do you live? And he said, I live at 499 Gloucester Boulevard. Now, here's the thing about a god of my understanding. My mom, uh, you know, she was abandoned by, by my grandmother at the age of eight, and she grew up with her father, and he was very abusive, and, a, you know, he, he died due to the disease of addiction, and he would beat the shit out of her, and whatever, and so eventually, when my mom got saved, right, she went to go live at 499 Gloucester Boulevard. It's a two-apartment house. <laughs> okay. Uh, and the other thing is, is that when she got saved, you know, um, she got her own bed. And I don't know if any of you have ever come from obscure poverty, but uh, to have something it is such a monumental moment. And, um, and so she got her own bed, and it was this twin set of iron beds. And when they moved, somehow the moving men lost one of the iron beds, right? And this was, you know, 20 years prior. And, um, and she always missed her bed. So anyway, my father says, I live at 499 Gloucester Boulevard. And she says, oh, my God, I grew up there. And like any good, uh, you know, addict with four years clean, he said, do you want to come over? <laughs> you know, why not? And so she went over, and uh, she walked upstairs, and in the corner of the apartment was her bed. Now, people had moved in and out, and somehow my father had found her bed. You know, um, so I came into this world on a miracle. Although he came out of the bathroom and she was like, this is my bed. And that's why he couldn't 13-step anybody. <laughs> like, this is mine. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> what have I done? Um, yep. So I, I generally don't tell that story. Um, but I've been like really, you know, I've been really thinking about, uh, I've been really missing my dad, you know, I've been really missing my dad. And, uh, you know, and my aunt passed away this week. Um, she had cancer. And she passed away on Monday, and that's why I was so hard to get in contact with. I mean, I just really was. But, um, you know, I've been thinking about everyone that I loved. And, um, because there's been a lot of people that I've loved that aren't here anymore. And so, you know, it's like, um, Right now, I'm carrying this bird, right? My aunt made me this bird, and I'm going to tell you a little story about Narcotics Anonymous, and then I'll talk about my super sorted fun childhood. Huh? <laughs> Who's excited about that? <laughs> Yay! Uh, you know, so my, <laughs> my aunt died Monday, this past Monday, and, uh, you know, and I was really sad, and I talked to her before. She, I, I was going back and forth to New York, where I'm from, to, like, you know, take care of her and sit with her. And her last, like, wish, which I just thought was so bizarre, was me and her going to eat Afghani food with kufis on. Right? So I just did that, like, three weeks ago. So I'm just sitting there, and she's like, this is the best day of my life. And I'm thinking, no, it's, it's, I hope not. Um, <laughs> I really 
hope not. I, I really hope not. I mean, it's great, um, but it's, uh, it's not the best day. Um, but that's what she wanted to do, you know, and I, and I show up, and I show up, and I show up, and Narcotics Anonymous has taught me how to do that. And so, you know, after I leave New York, I'm like, I, you know, I call her and I said, like, hey, I'm, I'm really sad. I, I really love you and I don't want you to leave me because it's all about me if you ever figured that out. Okay? <laughs> and she said, um, life has been such a beautiful adventure and I'm so excited for the next part and I'll never leave you. And so I think it's funny because I didn't know the theme was the adventure. Right? So, Narcotics Anonymous and the God of My Own understand, uh, Understanding works together on, on me. And, and what happened was, Monday night I had to go speak at this stupid meeting. Because uh, <laughs> you know there's those stupid meetings that cut into your depression time? <laughs> Don't you know? I want to eat my feelings. You know? And they're just stupid newcomers who you, you just love so much and they change your life with like one word and you're like, you just saved me. You know, stupid meeting, stupid spiritual principle. So I go to this stupid meeting and, uh, and I don't want to, you know, I'm really sad. And, um, and I'm not only sad, but I like, you know, some days, and, and, and I think it's just for that, you, you know, it's like, Sometimes I'm so sad that, like, the best I can do is, like, nothing. Does that make sense? Like, I just stay clean, right? So I drive to this meeting, and for some reason I go, like, six hours earlier because I don't really know what to do with myself, but I know that's what I'm supposed to do. And so I get to this meeting, I'm speaking at, like, 8 o'clock at night, and I get there at, like, 2 o'clock, right? And it's an hour and a half from my home. And, um, you know, so I call my friends, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, you should go shopping, because that's spiritual, um, and that'll fill you. So I'm walking around shopping, right, and now I'm crying, I mean, everyone's like, are you okay, ma'am? Because I had, like, black makeup down my, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm fine, and I guess I'm a small. <laughs> oh. And I'm walking around with my bird, because what my aunt said was, when I pass, I will bring you birds, right? So I'm walking around Oxnard, California, and I'm walking around this mall, and I look down, and there's a, a bird mosaic, and it says, take off and fly. And then I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm driving, and then I get in my car, and I'm like, wow, that's God, that's my aunt, that's, you know, and, uh, and I get in the car, and all of Oxnard, you know, like their little street signs, they're all birds. <laughs> yeah, weird. Welcome to the adventure. <laughs> uh, you know, prior to Narcotics Anonymous, like my whole life, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Okay? I knew exactly what was going to happen because it was the same thing over and over and over and over again. You know, it was the same guy, different outfit. The same place, different outfit. It was the same place, same outfit. You know, it was always the same thing. Right? Now, being in Narcotics Anonymous 11 and a half years, there have been so many insane, adventurous, bizarre things that have happened as a result of staying clean and showing up just for the day. 
So now I'll tell you about my cute childhood. <laughs> okay. Uh, I grew up, you know, I grew up in New York, and, uh, you know, uh, I love my mother today, but, you know, um, prior to working steps, I had absolutely no love for my mother. I felt really failed. Uh, by the age of five, the disease of addiction was manifesting in me stealing, because I wanted what you had, and it was never enough, right? And so, by five, my mom sent me to live with my father uh, on a nudist colony, because that seemed like a good choice. <laughs> I'm not doing so well here, so let's center with them. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, <laughs> and I love my dad so much. You know, it was weird. Like, I grew up in the forest, and we grew our own food, and, you know, I grew up with a medicine man, and I learned how to, like, you know, skin a raccoon by the age of four. I'm sorry, Roxanne. And uh, make a drum out of it. And, you know, uh, and it was like everything was organic and beautiful. Um, but my dad was also like a, you know, a heroin addict. Uh, and it's weird how the morals get really, like, confused. You know what I mean? Like, no candy, but I'm going to go shoot Joe, okay? Make good decisions. Um, it's, it's just weird. And, uh, you know, and, and so I lived with my dad and my stepmom, and, and they were both in recovery at the time, like, early on. Um, but there was just a lot of insanity going on, you know. Um, when I was younger, like, they would invite people in to come molest me, and after it was over, I could watch Snow White, right? Yeah, yeah I like that you laugh. We're, like, the same person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you get it. It's weird. So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, but there was just a lot of, like, what I figured out from a very early age is that I have to do what I have to do in order to get what I think I want, Right? And so that continued to happen, and, you know, by the age of seven, uh, you know, I had dropped out of, the school, out of school in the fourth grade, and so my, my life consisted of finding ways and means for my father to have more dope. So whether that meant, you know, selling my shoes or selling the books, or I used to sell peppermint patties, and I had to walk, like, four miles uphill both ways, so, I, you know what I mean? Like, just really adorable. And, uh, you know, and uh, eventually the cops came and found me, and my dad had died of an overdose, and I had dirty hair and dirty fingernails. And, uh, you know, and I believed that nothing would ever be okay. You know, my first drug of choice other than stealing was Nancy Drew. And Nancy Drew was a book series. And Nancy Drew, uh, you know, was a book series. She solved crime. And uh, she went to school, and she was a cheerleader. And she had parents who loved her. And I pretended that I was Nancy Drew. Because illusion has been my number one drug of choice. You know, um, and so that's what I did. I lived in fantasy. I lived in illusion. I lived in ideas that I created and I manifested this whole world. You know, and so eventually when my, you know, my dad was dead, they came to find me. I had been alone. I was like a feral child. And so I went from this nudist colony with my little raccoon drum to uh, Queens, New York. No culture shock there. You know what I mean? I show up with like one dreadlock and a drum that I made myself. And I'm like, do you want to be my friend? Huh? Um, and I didn't make a lot of friends. Uh, and thank God for drugs. <laughs> Let me just say that. You know, uh, I use drugs, uh, you know, 
starting from the age of 10, and it was the first time where I could really get transported out of my body um, in a way that really shut down the noise, the chaos in my head and the confusion. And really, I did drugs, and I did men, and I did all of those things in order to control my reality, because it was the only thing like I felt that I had control over even though it was so out of control. You know, uh, I started joining gangs in New York because I couldn't make friends, so I cut my dread off and I stopped carrying around my raccoon drum. And uh, I was surrounded, you know, there was a lot of Koreans, so I joined a Korean gang. <laughs> Why not? Very passionate people, you know. And uh, I would just sit around and, like, eat octopus and... <laughs> I don't know, I'm Irish and Italian. Um, the moral of the story with that is that I will get in where I fit in. And, uh, you know, and eventually what I, my mom, you know, my mom was in a series of abusive relationships with men in Narcotics Anonymous. And, uh, you know, they would beat her and, you know, it was all this stuff because water seeks its own level, right? No matter how long you have clean, if your reality and your understanding of life it's based in this small bubble, then that is what you will find. You know, I was talking to this kid the other night, and uh, he's selling drugs and trying to stay clean, you know what I mean? Which is weird. I'm like, good luck with that, yeah. I'm sure that'll work out great for you. You're the one, right? You are the one. And he, you know, he told me that I have to do it to survive. And I was like, well, then I'm sure that's true. And I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but what I think I have to do, blah, 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 then that ends up becoming real for me, right? Because what I think becomes real. Because recovery and the disease of addiction are both about my perspective. And that's the good part and the bad part, right? It's hard to see the picture when you're the frame. So if I tell myself something, and I tell myself something, and I tell myself something, and I tell myself something, then I end up living out of that idea. And that's all I'll ever find. And so what it was about for me when I got clean was, you know, goldfish grow to the size of their tank. And so what I had to do was I had to get a bigger tank, right? Because nobody keeps me trapped. I keep myself trapped. And that's what this whole thing, and that's why I say, if you think you have a drug problem, welcome. Because it will change. You know, I have a perspective problem. I don't see myself accurately. I don't see you accurately. And therefore, I react and, and act out in ways um, that sometimes baffle me to this day, right? So anyway, I started changing gangs. My mom moved to Los Angeles. I was getting arrested every day. You know, I, my drug use changed. If I was with you, I'd do certain drugs. If I was with you, I'd do certain drugs. I love drugs. I don't like to talk about drugs a lot because I love them. And sometimes when people get too into it, I'm like, that sounds great. <laughs> Wait, how do you do that? They're like a YouTube tutorial, you know what I mean? They're like, you flip it, then you cook it up, and you put it into the thing. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I got cream before Spice or Chaco or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what that's like. So I don't like to talk about it too much, because I'm like, wow, it's pretty cute. Okay. You just keep your roommate's heart out? That's great. <laughs> oh, you're just having fun? Yeah, yeah, totally normal. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, 
But what I will tell you is that I loved getting high, and I got high every day, and I lived to use, and I used to live, and that didn't just end with drugs. You know, it, it, it was also, I was addicted to men that got shot in the head and killed. Um, I was addicted, there we go, I got one back there. You go, girl, that's right. Yeah, I, only, I was like, it's so, I can't believe this always happens to me. And I was like, bitch, you only date people that sell drugs and own guns. Like, of course. You know, like, yeah, they all get shot in the head and killed. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, actually. <laughs> yeah, I had a type. Bad bitches. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, my mom moved to L.A., and eventually, you know, um, they were going to put me in foster care. I believe I was 15 or 16 years old, and they were going to put me in foster care in New York. And they were like, you can either go to L.A. or you can, you know, stay here and go to foster care. And I was like, I'm going to Los Angeles to find Tupac. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know? Uh, I did not find Tupac, uh, but I did find his crew, Thug Life, which was a whole separate story that we might get into. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, but when I got to Los Angeles, you know, a series of things happened. My drug use progressed. The drugs I used changed one more time. And uh, I ended up getting abducted by three men and held captive for days and tortured and raped. And, um, and what happened for me, you know, I don't know about you, when I came to Narcotics Anonymous, I not only had to let go of using drugs, but I had to let go of being a victim. Right? And I know that's heavy. It's heavy. Like, I could stand up here and just, like, tell you that. It wasn't that cute as it was happening. <laughs> you know, but I had to let go of that idea because I loved when bad things happened to me. And I had such a hard time admitting that to you. But when I really got to the core of my step work and the core of what I told myself, what I told myself is you deserve this and you love it. You know, and so I really felt attached to my pain when I got here. And, and as a result of that, I lived that pain and that trauma out in everything I did. You know, all I was was pain. And so, uh, you know, I didn't get, I mean, I did a lot of things in, uh, you know, in using drugs. I, you know, I ended up with the Mexican drug cartel. I was cooking meth. I was, I kidnapped Max Ken's niece from Thug Life. I had the SWAT teams kick down the doors. I was totally out of my mind. I shaved my eyebrows off. I was a chola. I was fighting the revolution. I was confused. Really. You know what I mean? I was like, Viva la revolución. They're holding my people down. And everyone's like, bitch, you're Irish and Italian. Not that serious. But you know, I like really didn't know who I was. So I was down to draw. Like I was in so many different, you know, I was just trying to fit in. Really. Um, but I also seemed so angry. You know, when I first came to meetings, I carried weapons all the time. Like, if someone touched me, I would, like, pull a shank out that I made out of, like, a toothbrush. Uh, you know, like, I was just out of my mind. And all of these bad things happened, but that's not the reason I got clean. I got clean because of that moment of clarity that we all have. You know, some people think, oh, I'm too young to get clean, I haven't, you know, done whatever, and it wasn't that bad. I, you know, whatever the idea is, none of the bad things got me clean. I got clean because I woke up one day, and I looked in the mirror, and I thought, who are you? 
Who are you? And what are you dying for? Right? Like, what is your cause? What are you really dying for? And that's the reason that I got clean. I didn't have any court things. I didn't, you know, all this, all the chaos had come and gone. And then I was just left with self. And um, so I want to talk about the adventure of being clean. Because it's been really weird. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you. It's been really bizarre. Okay? <laughs> uh, I also want to say, if you're new, I just want to, you know, I think sometimes we lie to newcomers. Right? I really do. I think we lie to them. We're like, be grateful for gratitude all the time. I'm so joyous and free. Right? That's bullshit. Okay? Sometimes, I'm going to tell you something, newcomer. Sometimes life sucks. Okay? Uh, and why I say that is because that's what the Just For Today talks about it. There's extreme joy and there's extreme pain here. Um, and that's not Narcotics Anonymous. That's life on life's terms for normal people, too. Right? But we get here and I think, I think we, you know, because what, what I'm talking about is my experience. I had six months clean. I had nine months clean. I had 18 months clean. And guess what? I didn't feel better. <laughs> okay, there's some people that don't, and there's some people that do. But I didn't feel better, and the reason I didn't feel better is because I had a lot of emotional baggage, and I had done a lot of damage to my brain, right? So I didn't feel better. And guess what? That was totally fine. I wasn't supposed to. But nobody told me that. <laughs> nobody said, you know, they would just be like, because I, I remember thinking, like, am I doing something wrong? Am I doing this wrong? So if you're new and you don't feel good, great! More than likely, this has been my experience, more than likely the people that are like, I have 29 days and I hate everyone and I don't want to be here, those people stay clean. They do. Those people generally tend to stay clean. Right? I mean, for the most, like, the guy who they're like, he'll never stay clean, he's crazy, and he just punched everyone. That guy usually stays clean. <laughs> who usually doesn't stay clean is the guy who's like, I've never been more grateful than the gratitude of a blessing of a unicorn on the back of a thing. And then he quotes every page from the literature, and he's like, and I'm a day clean. <laughs> Because this is not about looking good. And this is not about sounding good. It's not. I wish it was. You know what I mean? I wish I could just sound great and look great and just be great. Uh, if I came to Narcotics Anonymous and just said, like, I'm always great. <laughs> it's so hard to be me because I'm great. That would be a lie, you know? So I just want to welcome you. And this is like, no matter how much clean time you have, like, I never try to talk myself out of the blessing on the other end because I think that I should feel fill in the blank because I don't have to. Now, gratitude can help me get to the next place, but sometimes I don't feel super stoked, you know? Like, my aunt died and they're like, you just feel grateful. I was like, shut up. Shut up. Call me tomorrow. I don't like you. You know, like, ew. Because I'm entitled to feel exactly what I'm feeling because I'm human. 
And, and, and the spiritual principles that live within the step work has taught me that, that it's okay to feel exactly how I feel, and I don't have to pretend to be filled with gratitude all the time. Right? So anyway, I'm going to go back to getting clean. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I had a year clean. Uh, you know, I, I got a sponsor immediately. Um, from day one, I walked into my home group, which is still my home group, and I met the God of my understanding. He was wearing a fitted hat and a backpack. <laughs> and he knew about the revolution. He liked underground hip-hop. And I was like, we're in love. So I proceeded to stalk him, like my mother taught me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people have all these ideas, uh, you know, about what you should do or what you shouldn't do. But I know that that kid saved my life. Because what it did was it was the attraction. I didn't come here wanting to be of service. I didn't come here attracted to Narcotics Anonymous. I didn't like the chanting. I didn't like any of that stuff. But I was in love with this guy because uh, he knew about the reptiles, you know. Controlling our brains. Right. And uh, his, his name is Mark, right? And so Mark saved my life. Mark had two years clean, and he was, uh, you know, he was a literature guy at Monday Night Madness. And me and Mark were in love. He just didn't know it yet. And I stopped Mark to all his meetings, and it was the best two weeks of my life. And, but in all sincerity, Mark relapsed to two years clean because uh, he was just going to go be normal, you know. And uh, he ended up beating a woman with a tire iron and killing her and stealing the candy out of her pocket. And uh, that's the disease of addiction. It's never enough. And it only ends, you know, in me being clean or me being miserable. And uh, so I always am grateful to Mark. He gave me his 18-month chip, and I still have it, because he saved my life. Um, I got a sponsor, and this woman, she told me to write out a list of what I wanted out of Narcotics Anonymous. And some people don't agree with that. I don't care. Uh, I, I think that for me, I needed to admit what I deserved in life, or what I thought I deserved, because seeing what I thought I deserved was very enlightening, right? So what I thought I deserved was a boyfriend to pay for my things. And what I thought I deserved was maybe to go to high school. And what I thought I deserved was a car and maybe a license. Because <laughs> I had goals. Hashtag goals. Okay? <laughs> and so I read this list to this woman and she said, No, Sarah, you don't understand. If you can have anything you wanted, and if you can be anyone you wanted to be, and if you can do what you wanted to do with your life, what would those things be? And I went back and I wrote this list and I cried because I felt so undeserving. I felt so undeserving. So I wrote this list and I said, I want a God of my own understanding. I want a relationship with myself. I want self-esteem. I want a relationship with my mother. I want to figure out what I love to do and pursue it passionately. Right? I wrote all these things. And as I read this list to this woman, I cried because I felt so unentitled to it. Because I felt such shame. Because I felt like a girl like me who had been where I had been, who had had those things happen, deserved absolutely nothing. Right? And so I read this list to this woman and she helped me. And within three years, I had done all those things. I had figured out what I loved to do. I had a relationship with my mother. I went back to high school and I graduated. <laughs> talk about my job 
which I hate doing, honestly, it bugs me out, but The Living Queen told me to talk about success, and, and I get very inspired when I hear about other people's success, and it keeps me moving forward. Um, so I have to do the same thing, talk about stupid success. Uh, <laughs> um, at a year clean, I made a decision that I was going to make music, and the reason I did that is because I thought I was insane. <laughs> I like, you know, I had this, what I now know to be God and intuition, just, I thought I was schizophrenic, and I was like, I'm going to make music. And, um, yeah, and so I took the spiritual principles that I learned here as a result of working in the steps and the traditions, and I applied them to other things in life. Um, and the miraculous thing about that is that it works. And so I would show up early and I would leave late and, you know, the spiritual principle of perseverance is one of the most crucial to me still. And so I would show up and I would show up and I would get booed off and I would get booed off and I would show up and I would show up and, and I would go to my H and I commitment and to all my meetings and I would, you know, do step work with my sponsees and I would show up and I get booed off and I'd show up and I get booed off. And eventually I ended up being successful because um, the key to success is failing a lot. So if you failed a lot, congratulations. You're on your way to something better. You're really close. You're very, very close. And so, yeah, I failed a lot. It was, it was miraculous because what happens is if you fail, eventually you'll succeed. And, uh, you know, and so I succeeded and I started going on tour and, uh, you know, and everyone's like, you're going to get high. And I was like, I am very spiteful um, and strong-willed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, because I only have five minutes left and there's no way to sum up the past 12 years in five minutes. I just gave myself more clean time. I don't have 12 years. 11 and a half. January 6, 2005. Okay? <laughs> but so, um, so I'm on tour, right? I'm on tour. And I don't know about you, but my relationship with my God has changed over the years. It started as a hostage negotiation thing. Um, and now it's like more of a meditation, like I love you so much thing. Uh, you know, but I have three years clean and I'm in some godforsaken place in the United States that I never wished to go to. And it starts with an M and I don't know if it's Montana or Missouri or Mississippi because I didn't really go to school. And, uh, and I talk to God and I'm like, you know what, God? I've been of service to Narcotics Anonymous for three years. And I have an H&I, you know, I have three H&I panels, and I started a youth committee with everyone, and I have been of service, and I sponsored the world. No. <laughs> but, you know. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm going on. I'm telling God about how great I am, you know. I'm like, let me show you how tight I am, because I did it myself without you, and you don't know. And, uh, and so I'm going on, and I'm going on, and I'm like, God... I don't want to stay clean anymore, so unless you throw me like a burning bush, I'm getting high. <laughs> right? And that's my prayer. And, um, yeah. Don't act like you haven't been there. You know what I'm talking about. Weird. The hostage negotiation. You're like, I will kill myself if you don't stop playing. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and so all of a sudden this kid walks by me and he goes, Sarah, which is like my real name. And I'm like, God? 
And he goes, in your face. And I was like, well, that's a, it's the Thursday night meeting that used to exist in the Hollywood area. And I was like, oh my God, you're clean. And he's like, no, I relapsed when I got here, but how are you? And I was like, God, I'm going to need another one. That got, that got confusing, to be honest. To be honest, I, I'm really unclear. Um, you know, I, I, like, like I said, I don't have enough time and it's so hard to sum up. But I will tell you that, uh, you know, with my job, I ended up um, winning a Grammy. And, um, <laughs> I think I mentioned like NA. That's like the first one I think we got. But we're, we got more coming, NA. Somebody, we do great things, you know what I mean? We do really incredible things. Um, but what I'll say about that is that, uh, you know, I'm walking up on this thing, and please don't Google it, because it's not good and it makes me uncomfortable. Um, but I'm walking up and um, to something sort of like this, and I'm thinking, Narcotics Anonymous is so weird. <laughs> That's literally what I was thinking. And the reason I was thinking that is because I got clean, I, I lost the desire to use drugs, and I found a new way to live, and as a result of working steps and being of service here and showing up no matter how I felt, good, bad, and indifferent, I'm walking across this stage getting a Grammy, which is so stupid, um, for a song that I recorded in my bed in my pajamas. Do you, do you know, like, do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Like, just very bizarre. Like, the adventure, there's, there's not even an adequate word to describe what happens when you engage on this process. Uh, but the adventure is the best we could come up with in terms of a, a proper summing it up. Um, but that's what I mean. Is like I, I literally walked across that stage and I just remember thinking, like, wow, you know, uh, what is it like? Lost dreams awaken and new possibilities arise. Um, I really, I really didn't believe that, but I did it anyway. You know, um, I think that uh, you know, addicts are like, you know, it, here's the thing: like bumblebees are incapable of flying, right? But they don't know that, so they fly anyway. And I think that's the thing, is that, like, as a result of doing this, you know, I had to make a decision of whether I wanted to be sick or whether I wanted to be well, whether I wanted to fly or whether I wanted to stay trapped in fear. You know, if you're thinking about using right now, that's totally okay. But what I do know is that if you get high, your life will be the same. And it always leads to death whether it's spiritual or physical. So many of my friends have died. So many of them haven't had the opportunity of a life beyond their wildest dreams. But I also know that if you stay, I have no idea what's going to happen to you. <laughs> How exciting is that? I have no idea. <laughs> that really is exciting. You have no idea what you can do or who you can be or how you can touch people's lives and whether that's your kids or the world, like you don't know and that is the real beauty of Narcotics Anonymous. Is that what I do know? Is that we touch people's lives and when it talks about society, it's not just our society here but it's the world. Like I've met the President of the United States. You know what I'm saying? Like things that I shouldn't be doing. No one should let me touch their kids. 
or a president or anything, you know. Um, so thank you so much, Canada, for having me, and thanks for letting me share. I would love to thank you on behalf of uh, Canna and CCNA. I'd like to thank you once again, Sarah. That was an amazing story. Okay, two things. Uh, there was a cell phone found in the ladies' washroom. If someone's missing a cell phone, we have it at the front here. Um, we are going to be doing the raffle after we circle up. And if I could just have everyone circle up and close as a group. And the auction is, is immediately right after at 10.30. Did you already stop it?